0: You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980cfpl.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
1: I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today we return to the monthly series, City Farming. We address new ways to think about food in urban settings. And in this show, we'll discuss winter gardening. It's my sincere pleasure to introduce to you Amy Turnbull from the London Middlesex Master Gardeners. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, uh, Amy. What is the London Middlesex Master Gardeners? What does the group do?
0: Uh, we're A group of volunteers and our goal is to provide evidence based gardening advice there's a lot of advice out there on the Internet and a lot of it isn't relevant for our area in southwestern Ontario. And a lot of it isn't the best advice, so our goal is to educate the public and to do community outreach um, to promote gardening in the Community.
1: Wonderful, because there's so many factors, and um, evidence-based is wonderful, but also locally specific. We have different growing areas, different soil conditions, um, different rain, sun, wind, and all of that needs to be taken into consideration. So how wonderful there's a group, the London Middlesex Master Gardeners, that can help novice but also seasoned gardeners take care of what they need to, to have a flourishing garden. And how did the organization get started, Amy?
0: we started in 1985. We are the longest running master gardener group in Canada, believe it or not.
1: Really? Wow, Um, leaders.
0: We actually have a member still who started in 1985. She's the longest running master gardener in Canada, I guess. She's a fantastic resource.
1: I bet. That's fantastic. And what a testament to the quality of the group to have members um, lasting. I'm not even going to do the math, but on since 1985, that's really, really great. And what a resource some of the senior members might be um, to the newer members, but also the newer members bringing new ideas, possibly more technological um, innovations. And sounds like a, a really fantastic group. And who can be a member and how does someone get started being a master gardener?
0: Anyone can be a member. Actually, if you go to our website, LondonMiddlesexMasterGardeners.com, there's a section there about how to become a member. Um, You need to have two years of online study from an accredited university. Typically, people will go to University of Guelph um, or other universities and do a couple of botany courses or courses about gardening. And uh, this is to make sure we all have the same foundation for gardening um, but the goal of a master gardener is uh, not that you know everything about gardening it's about continual learning so you're dedicating yourself to continually learning about gardening and you're helping to deliver community programs So we're basically we're just a group of volunteers who love gardening. We live for gardening um, so we're a community with each other and with the wider gardening community and we help to promote gardening in London and area.
1: Wow, Um, what enthusiasm and how um, serious the group is. I can hear it in your voice, both the excitement and also the Um, respect for the science behind gardening, but also the art and creativity. And I didn't realize that there were online courses either about botany or gardening, and you had mentioned the University of Guelph. Does the London Middlesex Master Gardeners have some links to um, online programs that you could take in order to become eligible to be a member?
0: Uh, Certainly in our group, um, when somebody joins the Master Gardeners, they're a master gardener in training. And um when you connect into our group, you have a mentor and you, you're talking to the other master gardeners and they would tell you which courses they took. So that's how you get an idea of where you might want to go because the courses vary. Um, and then I forgot to mention previously, we have um, a minimum of 30 hours of volunteer work that each member does per year, but we exceed that because it's so easy to put in those 30 hours of volunteer work Um, and then we Every member um, does continual education every year. So, so many continuing education credits.
1: That's great. So the experiential learning, that hands-on applied volunteer experience. So helping a neighbor or helping the community. There's lots of wonderful community gardens in London and or getting a project going. That I, That's great that it's not just academic. And it's wonderful that you can join without having your master gardener designation, but have something to work towards. And I think that progress would also be just a wonderful milestone. And I'm uh, definitely thinking about the early days for myself as a gardener and how excited I would be to progress through to my designation, my full designation as a master gardener. How really, really uh, challenging and worthwhile. That's that's great, Amy. And what activities and programs does the London Middlesex Master Gardeners engage in?
0: We have Seed Saturday um, every year. This is um, our biggest event that we host. Seed uh, Saturday are a series of events across Canada, um, originally started through Seeds of Diversity, a seed saving and seed sharing network. At our CD Saturday event, there's three educational talks uh, about gardening. Um, we have a seed swap table. So you bring seeds and you take home seeds. And uh, it's a lot of seed vendors there, local volunteer organizations. It's a really fun time. Um, it's usually held in March. Um, check our website for the dates for 2022. Um, we also have Seeds to Table. It's an eight week course starting in March, running through till April. And it's for beginning gardeners who want to um, grow um, vegetables in their garden. So it's a how you grow, plant the seed all the way up to preserving the vegetables at the end it's always fills up um, to capacity so it's a really fun course that we offer to the public Um, we also are at local events we have advice tables uh, and we give talks too we do gardening in the city um, and local organizations when they want to have a gardening talk then they dial a master gardener and we come and talk
1: wow that is just such a great range of things so seedy Saturday where seeds are exchanged and I'm sure a lot of networking and knowledge sharing as well and then education programs and as I was listening to you speak Amy I was thinking people are so interested in their food supply now and where things come from and we're starting to feel a little disconnected from food and so a lot of people are Starting to reinvent their space available to them, whether you have a backyard, whether you have a patio, or whether that's just a windowsill, we're starting to see a real interest in growing things. And I heard from a seed supplier last summer that it was difficult to keep seeds on the store shelves. Why do you think people are gardening more these days?
0: Well, actually, um, last year, a uh, food policy researcher, Sylvain Charlebois from Dalhousie University, did a study about why Canadians started gardening so much during the wow. pandemic. yeah. And of course, I mean, I love gardening, so of course I read his study. Um, he found, first of all, that 20% of Canadians started vegetable gardening in 2020 which is
1: amazing. Interesting. <laughs> it is amazing. Fantastic statistic. Mm-hmm.
0: One in five Canadians. And the main drivers of people beginning to garden were concerns about food shortages. If we think back to the early days of the pandemic. Um, There's a lot of concern about the food supply chain. Um, And then also concern about food prices and that concern definitely is lingering on still um, with the vegetable prices are projected to increase up to 7% next year. So it makes um, growing edibles that much more worthwhile because the cost of seed is so cheap compared to the cost of the vegetable you buy in the store.
1: Right. And you have that sweat equity, though, you've got to take care of the seed, you've got to nurture the plant. But there's something um, we were talking just a little bit before the show, so poetic and almost primal about connecting with the land and seeing nature's life cycle, have a seed grow to a beautiful plant and then harvest uh, the, the pepper or the potato or, um, you know, the apple, whatever it is. And uh, it's really something that is encouraging to hear that study that was done from Dalhousie University and to also hear that people are reconnecting with the land for various reasons. And it must be really incredibly rewarding work, Amy. What is one of your happiest experiences that you've had as a master gardener? That's hard to answer
0: um, because I, just like other master gardeners, love gardening so much. The whole process is pretty happy <laughs> going to meetings and talking to other people about gardening because a regular person doesn't want to talk about gardening that much <laughs> and um, the seedy saturday the seed swap table i'm always at that and i find that it's one of the funnest times of the year talking about growing the plants that's super fun um, and then anytime you encounter someone who has been to uh, an you know, one of your previous talks or a course, and they're telling you about their gardening that they learned as a part of your education, that's very rewarding.
1: It sounds like an an entire evolution, right from the seeds to educating the next generation. And as you say, it's all a happy time. I can't wait to hear more about it. And after the break, we're going to talk specifically about winter gardening with Amy Turnbull from the London Middlesex Master Gardeners. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist.
0: Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980cfpl.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
1: Today, we're speaking about winter gardening with Amy Turnbull from the London Middlesex Master Gardeners. Amy, what is winter gardening? It kind of sounds like an oxymoron.
0: It does, for where we live. I think of winter gardening as gardening in the off season. So if you think about most people start their garden on the Victoria Day long weekend in May, and they probably have finished gardening around Thanksgiving or even before. So if that's the gardening period from Victoria Day to Thanksgiving, then I'd consider winter gardening anything outside of that. So so gardening October through
1: May. And what types of plants or crops are best for winter gardening?
0: This you can divide into two separate categories. So you've got those cold tolerant plants that you grow all summer long and then in the fall you've grown enough of those plants that they can persist in the ground in the cool weather. So I've got some of these in my garden still now. Um, Through the whole summer, like back in the spring I planted these and I'm still harvesting them now. So there's rutabagas, those big things people often confuse with turnips, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, chard, which is like a spinach, a leaf, leeks, scallions, so these are onion type plants. Um, that are I, I've just hilled up some mulch around them to protect them when it gets quite cold because we've been almost down to minus ten already right um, Carrots and parsnips they are in the ground and I've just got a little mulch on top. So these are plants that can withstand cold temperatures, and I'm just doing a little bit of protection so that I can keep harvesting them easily because what stops the harvest is when the ground freezes for the leeks and the scallions and those things that are in the ground too.
1: I'm so surprised. I thought, you know, harvest ended and that was it. And yet we can continue growing fruits and vegetables crops, maybe not fruits, you were mentioning mostly vegetables, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just stunned that those things can be grown and harvested well into the winter and I'm sorry I cut you off I'll let you continue I was just so interested in what you're saying. <laughs>
0: The other category um, are the plants that grow best in the cool weather, so these plants you can grow in the early spring, Um, I plant them in March when the ground is workable, and you can also grow them again in the fall, so these grow best in the cool weather and you would never grow them in the middle of summer because they don't like the heat. So these are mostly plants that you eat the leaves of. You're growing them for the greens and they have a really short days to maturity, which means when you plant them, you can start harvesting them a week or two later. So these are things like spinach, um, lettuces. A lot of lettuces grow well in cool temperatures. Mustard greens or anything in the brassica family like arugula, broccoli rabe, um, mustards, um, turnips, radishes, There's some herbs, dill and cilantro grow well in cool weather. Um, So these plants, you grow them in the fall and then with a little bit of protection, they withstand frost to varying extent. So you can extend the harvest. Um, And I'm still harvesting cilantro, uh, mustard greens, arugula from my garden.
1: I'm really stunned. We can harvest spinach and arugula done well um, as a master gardener or a master gardener in training we could have spinach and arugula fresh for March break or for our spring celebrations. Wow, there's so much more to know. Thank you for sharing both of those categories, the ones that we um, weather over in the winter and the ones that actually like the cold. And so they um, are best planted when it is cold, they don't like the heat. So can you share some insider tips to be a successful winter gardener? It sounds like you really are a master gardener and have really got an incredible skill set to share with the world. But you
0: know what? I think the main tip for winter gardening is to keep your expectations low. Okay. (laughs) The only reason I'm good at this is because I've been winter gardening for, I don't know, over 10 years now. And when I think back to those early years, the things I did were, (laughs) I would never do them now. So it's just trial and error and you're finding what works best for your lifestyle. And there's varying levels of commitment you can take for winter gardening. You can build cold frames. I've had hot beds before, which is like a a cold frame. So you build this box and I I dug it into the ground and then I would put incandescent lights, like actually Christmas lights, I would hang in the top of it so I could grow things in this soil all winter long. That was before I had kids and I would never do that now. (laughs) Right. You're just changing your expectations um, to to suit your lifestyle that year and be easy on yourself and just keep a diary so that you're learning from your experiences. And every year you're just building on your knowledge.
1: Okay. Really good advice. So um, it's, it's almost kind of experimental, maybe your first year, just looking to see what will I be able to successfully grow Um, How much of a labor commitment can I actually make? What kind of investment am I prepared to engage in? Whether that's, you had mentioned the uh, various boxes um, and some christmas lights but i'm sure it can get more complex than that so really understanding and and knowing it's a process but also as you had mentioned your lifestyle that if it's going to change you're going to go back to school or if you're starting a family and until they're old enough to help you weed and uh, till that garden <laughs> eventually <laughs> the the family payoff will come hopefully with gardening if they kids love master gardening too and uh, that's really really good advice because i think with many new projects we can start we want to be exactly where the experts are and we can become discouraged early and give up what might be such a, a wonderful activity and way of life too early so that's really really great advice and thank you very much for that amy and what are some of the ways that listeners can enjoy the beauty of their gardens in the winter we've been talking a lot about crops but winter gardening is also beyond just harvesting food what are some tips for the beauty of winter gardens
0: Definitely, there's a lot of beauty to be had in the winter garden, whether it's a vegetable garden or an ornamental garden that you've grown with perennials. I think the key is to leave things standing. So don't cut everything down in the fall. Leave your grasses standing and um, plants that are dead. Like I'm looking out, I have some sedum and it's totally dead on top now. The roots are alive and it'll grow back next year but i leave it standing so that on frosty mornings when you have a, a thick layer of frost or you have fresh snow or freezing rain any is even beautiful you can go out in those mornings and look at the the ice and the snow on your plants and it's just beautiful and then the other thing <laughs> i keep my garden weed free up until about august when i get really busy harvesting from the garden and that's when the weeds start to grow so now i have some tall weeds in my garden and they have seeds on them and the birds love those seeds so I go out there to bird watch the birds aren't in at my feeder yet but they're out in the garden eating seeds off the weeds so it's a great way to enjoy some nature you've attracted birds to your garden with the seeds.
1: Two amazing ideas you're right that the light kind of twinkling like stars on the ice or the frosty mornings or throughout the day, such beautiful, beautiful shapes and colors and things to observe. What a wonderful way to be connected in a deeper way to nature beyond just the plants. Those are fantastic tips. Thank you very, very much, Amy. And what's your favorite plant? or item in your winter garden
0: every year it seems like I really latch on to one vegetable and fully explore it grow some different varieties learn how to prepare it different ways in the kitchen so this year I'm really loving rutabagas I grew about a bushel of them and I'm
1: wow that's a lot of rutabagas
0: (laughs) (laughs) they're really delicious
1: (laughs) you know they are definitely is something to explore and discover
0: Definitely. And some of these vegetables have very rich histories. So I encourage any gardener to try growing a new plant. And if you're a vegetable gardener, look at the seed catalog and pick a vegetable that you've never had before and try growing it. It's really fun. You learn a lot in the process about how to grow it and how to prepare it. Um, It's a good experience. And one vegetable a year is not that big of a commitment.
1: Something else that just adds to the interest and the experience of not just winter gardening, but gardening overall, is um, we're starting to hear a lot about heirloom seeds and their origin. But just in general, overall, the rutabaga, what was its origin? Was it uh, native to our soil here in the Southwestern Ontario, what came from what parts of the world that we now um, eat and grow and have as part of our regular diet, the history of seeds and the history of food is so, so important as well, in addition to the beauty and the science that we've talked about, and just the excitement of being connected to nature and seeing that your love and care for plants and the soil has made something wonderful that you can continue to enjoy at the dinner table. So wonderful, Amy. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to talk about winter gardening, and I hope you've been inspired to give it a try. You can start planning it now for next year.
1: I definitely, definitely am inspired, and I'm sure the excitement is coming across on my voice, and I've learned a lot, and I can't wait to grow something this winter. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Amy Turnbull from the London Middlesex Master Gardeners. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do, something to talk about. What could you grow this winter? something to do visit the london middlesex master website to find out more about practical and ecological advice from our community's expert gardeners next week on the show we'll return to the back to the future series we'll talk about the stream of dreams water conservation program with louise Towell. i'm your host peggy o'neill home economist and you've been listening to the weekly show food for the future Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbrae Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill. Airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980cfpl.ca.